Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm your host, Ellen Parson, editor in chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with my good friend, longtime colleague, and resident construction expert, data expert, Jim Lucy, to talk about what to watch in the construction market this year. Jim is the editor in chief of Electrical Wholesaling Magazine, a sister publication to ECNM, as well as the editor of Electrical Marketing Newsletter. But before we ch- jump into the 2024 construction forecast discussion, I'm going to let Jim tell you a little bit about his background, experience, and expertise in the electrical industry. Uh, thanks, Alan. Yeah. No, I've been with electrical wholesaling uh, about 40 years. Hard to believe, about 40 years now. And um, I guess the one I was kind of thinking that over as I was going over my notes for the uh, podcast today, and I, I was thinking of some of the new types of technology and industry trends that we, we used to cover back in the 1980s. It sounds so uh, sounds so prehistoric uh-huh. now, but you know some of the things that we were covering back in the day, and I remember some of the new products and how much it's really quick, the pace is quickened so much. I mean, I remember when uh, compact fluorescence first came out, and that was a really big deal. People thought that was uh, the latest thing, an electronic ballast. Some of the things right. like voice data, video, and all that as the contractors got into, distributors got more into it. But the thing is, when I think about the uh, opportunities out there and the technologies that uh, the uh, construction and design owners are using today, you know, in 2023 and what they'll be doing in 2024 and down the road, it's kind of mind blowing. I mean, I think there's, there are so many new, more new technologies out there today and new market opportunities for folks that, uh, yeah, much more so than not that everything was all bread and butter construction projects back at the, you know, back in the 80s or 90s. But uh, yeah, there's so much more out there and it's been fun to try to, uh, track that and keep keep on top of it. I, uh, I before I got into uh, publishing during my uh, college summers, I used to work construction projects as a summer job through some contacts that my dad had. And uh, yeah, I kind of got a real feel for, you know, the the, pro, the whole pace of the project. Uh, I always would think about, particularly I was working with a Carpenter's uh, construction company once and we were building a, they were building a very large, really pretty much luxury home in uh, Upper Montclair, New Jersey. And it just, I was, I just was on the site for about three or four months, you know, in between uh, semesters. But it was just fun to see all the different trades come onto the site, you know, whether it was the sheetrockers or cabinet makers or painters, mm-hmm. plumbers, electricians. And I think it kind of gave me an appreciation for, you know, all that in, in a really little small little way, kind of gave me an appreciation for all that goes on on the construction project. Uh, my, my mom and dad had a small business in surety bonding. Uh, for for a while, and oh, it was wow. the type of thing we would uh, you know talk about different construction projects around the dinner table literally at times. So I, I feel like I, I, even before I started reporting on it uh, for electrical wholesaling, I thought that was kind of I definitely you know, had some you know I guess you know a previous experience or previous interest in it. And uh, as I as my time has gone on with uh, working for electrical wholesaling and marketing and some pre CDM, I've gotten very interested in tracking these uh, construction projects, tracking what the build, the level of building activity in the very local markets and trying to figure out new ways to use some of the market data that's available, whether it's through the government, whether it's their own internal surveys or other mm-hmm. sources there. And I've been enjoying kind of painting a picture of some of the construction activity, where, what's a hot market, you know, where's, where, where's the next one and what, what readers and listeners can use and you know find on their own perhaps to figure out what, you know, which markets are going to be hot in the uh, upcoming months and years. Right, exactly. That's exactly why we have Jim write our forecast every year because he is our absolute guru with the data here. He loves tracking that. He's really an expert on that. Like he was talking about the 
the MSAs, Metropolitan Statistical Areas and Employment Trends, Building Permits, all of that. So that's why he's here today. We're going to pick his brain on what's happening, give you some highlights from the article he just wrote for us uh, for electrical wholesaling and ECNM, the 2024 construction forecast that's going to be in our December print issue and online. So um, I'd like to go over some of the highlights with you, Jim, today. Um, let's start with a synopsis of how you think things are starting out the year project-wise and anything interesting and then maybe anything that surprised you. And then we'll move into some of the vertical markets and how you think those are going to fare. Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a reasonably good year. I mean, I think we're kind of coming off a, a good chunk of to, to late 2022 and in, in 2023. Uh, a lot of economists, even within the construction industry, were talking about when's the recession going to hit? When, thing, when is business going to really drop? And it, it, it has slowed down, but it never really got bad to the point of a recession is when, two, when you have two quarters of uh, negative growth. Uh, but I, it's looking for, a two, I think the big thing to be looking at in uh, 2024 are going to be, and this is a kind of a macro thing that affects many of the different uh, separate areas, uh, are going to be interest rates. Uh, as long as they're re relatively high and we're not looking at any big cuts, there's different uh, predictions out there till later in 2000, second half of 2024. I mean, it affects the uh, project funding for anything from the very largest, like like a data center or a utilities that are financing some big construction uh, could be of uh, just a expansion of the existing system. Maybe they're hooking up renewables. Um, and obviously it percolates all the way down through office projects and uh, pro the homeowners that are looking to get a loan that might be uh -huh. maybe having to hold off. So I think that's the macro thing that that'll be the big thing, the big macro thing I think we're going to have to be looking at okay. uh, this year. That being said, though, I, th I think there's definitely there's some real good pockets within the industry that'll do much better uh, than the norm. Um, I think, you know, one, one of the different forecasts that I like to look at quite a bit is from the American Institute of Architects, and it's called the, their consensus construction forecast. And basically that um, is in, in like nine different uh, construction economists. And, uh, you know, they're looking at something, they're, they're reason, I mean, they're, they're, I shouldn't say all over the map, but I think the main thing for a non-residential is coming out to just a couple of percent increase after having a really atmospheric increase uh, this past year in non-residential, obviously a core market for uh, the CNM audience. Uh, but in that large, largely, you know, there were so many different projects that, and a lot of that uh, large increase that had come through was due in part to the uh, the construction of the, the new AV battery facilities, the EV plants, the semiconductor plants. A lot of the funding, you know, those plants were heavily, heavily funded and supported by the different federal, whether it's the CHIPS Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, all those uh, acronyms that you out there. Um, I guess I should, as I mentioned about the um, interest rates, another big thing that is still kind of percolating its way through the uh, construction economy is all the uh, funding, federal funding that's coming through, uh, not yeah. only for those types of plants that I mentioned. I just saw something today um, that actually came out about the amount of the billions that are going to be spent on the uh, railroad system in the U.S., uh, and a lot on the passenger type of thing. I think that right now the government has put out $30 billion in funding for railroads, and I mean, that's not $30 billion on electrical work, but obviously right. when the electrical construction that goes along with that, whether it's the signaling along the tracks or the stations that have to be done, all the uh, all the power, the high power, if it happens to be sure. a local, uh, whether it's um going going into some of the lo local uh, uh, high speed the uh, electric power that has to go for the subways or uh, different things. So it's a there's a lot of work that's going to be even in that only little niche. So there's some 
yeah, it just, despite you know what probably will be kind of a, well, if I put a number out there, I'd probably go closest to that, uh, you know, low single digits as far as construction increases overall, okay. uh, and the non-residential. But if there's there's pockets within that that I think are going to do uh, much much better. Okay, well let's go move into some of those vertical markets, like you said. Um, maybe just go through a few. Um, how you think they're going to fare. Um, the, this can all be, all the details are on in the actual construction forecast. It'll be on our website soon and in the December print issue. Um, but let's go over, like, for example, let's start with non-residential versus residential. Sure. Well, you know, re residential um, is kind of a very interesting market. Uh, many of us that have kids that are looking to try to buy their first house can tell you all about the uh, mortgage. Right. No one thinks they can buy one because all our kids are like, well, how are we ever going to buy a house? Like it's, yeah. it's a totally different situation. Yeah, I mean, there's some other trends that percolate right down into the need for electrical product and installation services. I mean, uh, if we're not building that many homes in many markets, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of that's because there's uh, the mortgage rates are high. People can't get in and people aren't selling in their homes. If they have a really low mortgage, they don't want to have to refinance right. at a large rate. So and that's going to be an issue for residential for uh, quite some time. If you look mm -hmm. at even like the NAHB or National Association of Home Builders forecast. Uh, they're not expecting anything great guns in uh, single family uh, building okay. starts uh, for, for quite some time. Now, there's there are markets that are really hot. I mean, I know like you look at some of the Texas markets have kind of even though they're mm -hmm. down from past years, still big pulling tens of thousands of building permits. And you look at some many of the markets in Florida, Carolinas, uh, some mm -hmm. of the real hot growth marks, Phoenix, they're, they're, they're slowing off their previous pace, but they're still building huge numbers of uh, houses more than anyone else. Um, Multifamily is a little bit different as far yeah, is as- Is that better because if residential is down and people are moving more toward that or is that correlate? Yeah, it's hard, you know, it's, it's multifamily is interesting. Um, and you, you think, oh, maybe people, more people are looking into that because maybe they can't afford a, you know, a, a single family home if they're starting yeah. out. Or, but when you break down multifamily, is many different areas. You have the luxury homes, like some of the beautiful apartment towers that are in many of our downtowns. That's a mm -hmm. subsegment all of its own. Uh, and if you look at, uh, the, and I get into it a bit in the article, there's, I think, a really active niche for this. And this is really across the country, um, or what they call the live, work, play uh, types of developments, where it's part, they're yep. multifamily homes, there's offices there, there's restaurants. Uh, anything, you know, doctor services, you know, uh, houses of worship, everything right around there. And uh, mm -hmm, where you can just certain... get to everything right in your own little area. Yeah. And they, some of them are called, I know, out by us. There's a number of different ones. Uh, I don't know if it's a specific builder, but the uh, town center is the name of several. There's a big one going right. up in Lenexa, Kansas. It's been a while. There's one in Leewood. Um, the biggest that I've seen, if I've been the first, is just outside of Washington, D.C., the National Harbor. And it was just, it just was a, you know, had been, it was a convention center, but they built out this little town right next to it. That's mm -hmm. going to be very active. That type of multifamily is very active. Um, there are certain uh, cities, you know, where, where if you look at some of the cities that tend to lead in this type of construction, a, couple, a bunch of them along the East Coast with some, you get into New York and some of the, I mean, they're not necessarily building affordable apartments, but they're building billionaires. <laughs> I guess the crypto kings are, I don't know who can afford them, but they're just, a, I mean, they're building these towers, the 60, 70 story towers of, mm -hmm. of homes that are, who knows how much they actually cost. So, uh, but still, I mean, they, they, so that's, that's one area of it. Certainly if uh, I believe some of the other housing, uh, they get blended into the multifamily with demographic trends that you could see being pretty good. Certainly the assisted living communities for seniors. I mean, that's that there's a okay, lot of that right. going in. 
And just with the aging of the baby boomers and all, there's going to be more of a need for uh, folks that want to go into that type of community. So I think multifamily probably has a few better, uh, longer trends. It tends to be uh, more cyclical than single family. It swings real high and real low. Uh, I, I don't believe uh, NHB is forecasting a, it's actually forecasting a drop, I believe, for uh, next year. But I think that could be good. And, and again, all it's like every it's it, all business is local, so it's going to depend on which market you're in. But I think overall, and in part because of some of those demographic trends, uh, I think with the assisted living it will be big. I think the uh, the popularity of these live work play types of developments yeah. also going to be big. And I think that's going to be uh, some. There's some very like I say that's going to be a, a hot type of uh, um, type of construction development. I, I believe. Okay. As far as office, you already mentioned that that's going to be off. Obviously, office is not going to be a booming market, but it, according to your predictions, it doesn't seem like it may be as bleak as we may maybe thought. Or, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's still. I mean, it, there's been a complete sea change in uh, mm -hmm. office. I mean, obviously, the post-COVID world, people working home, they the companies realize, hey, we can get you know this is working okay, we can get by there. I, I, I personally have some you know thoughts about the ram depending on your industry the ramifications of just being remote not meeting with yeah. people face to face and mm -hmm. that being said it i mean it's not we're not going to go back well we might tweak back some this way the pendulum might swing a bit back uh but i've done a lot of research on this this particular market and what from what i understand if the market that's are doing the still is doing reason better than other areas is the what they call the class a office space it's the new the newer space it's got absolutely everything you'd want in office highly wired for any type right. of data multimedia you know maybe it has a gym in the building maybe it has yeah. a, a kitchen anything the real luxury the stuff that there's and there's probably acres and acres of millions of square feet of office space not doing as well as sort of the you know uh -huh. class b run-of-the-mill type of space not necessarily not a dump by any means but there's a lot of space out there you there's an interesting, um, it's called the, uh, oh gosh, uh, the, I'm trying to think, oh, Castle Systems. Yeah, Castle Systems put, there's one of the barometers of the use of office space. They they okay. are the ones that build, put in access codes to, to uh, for access locking systems for office buildings. And they, and they track how many people are going in and out of their offices. They have, gosh, wow. several thousand different of these buildings around the country and they can track mm -hmm. it. But as you go in their top 10 markets, and they tend to be some of the major metropolitan areas, uh, the occupancy of the actual office itself is 50% or below. And they said in the normal day, if there was such a thing as normal days pre-COVID, it might have been uh, 70 or 80%. You know, another mm -hmm. indicator of the uh, the size of the uh, decline in office construction, uh, the, the decline in office construction, also the need for new office space. If you look at office vacancy rates, you know, for a lot of the time that I was tracking this type of the data, um, you'd see if it once an office market area hit 10 percent vacancy rate, uh, that meant that, that that's about when they would start building. And then you'd see occasionally you'd see offices in some markets that had 25 or 26 percent vacancies. And basically, if there's a you know four story building, one one floor is vacant, no, no one's in it. But the thing mm -hmm. is, now I think the total U.S. last number I saw uh, U.S. vacancy rate is about 16 or 18 percent. And there's gobs and gobs of right. uh, cities where uh, they have over 20 percent vacancy rate. So it's going to it is going to be an issue. It's definitely changed the whole uh, workplace environment. Uh, the, one of the you know, this all being said, uh, one thing, even with as offices down downsize, they move into smaller places, whatever. There's a, there's some definitely some good retrofit work going in there that contractors and uh, the you know, design audience can get involved with too. So it's not all that bleak, you know. But it, right. and it 
it may swing back some, but I wouldn't expect in any really large way to be building at the rate, you know, back in the, the go-go days, I guess you could say. Sure. Okay. Now you mentioned the um, EV battery plants and things like that. So moving into industrial, well, we obviously expect that to be really, really do really, really well next year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, and then is I that think money actually funneling in now, or are they just, they, they expect it to be coming. Like I'm, I guess I'm having trouble with the things I've seen, like when will the, it's hard to say when that money's going to be released sure. or when are they starting on it? Um, you know, yeah, no, and it, it, no, no, it's a good point. And I think as, as I understand it, um, it, the money is released first to the States and then they disperse it for projects within their area. Um, and it's just kind of a rolling amount. I mean, some states have gotten the money out faster in the in the okay. markets, and some not as much. Um, if you really, it's interesting. If you really look at okay, where are these plants going in? Yeah. Um, a fair amount in you know both up in the uh, the auto belt. You know, up there's a, you know, Ohio, for instance, has got uh, both EV plants and has a giant giant facility going in from Intel on the semiconductor side. Some auto plants up in Michigan awful lot down in the south that whole area uh south carolina um ev there's some ev plants going north carolina georgia for uh car plants some of the uh, non-union plants a lot of work going in uh through there uh the chip plants i've seen you know, i've seen the chip plants going in anywhere from phoenix has got uh, some large chip plants going in uh, we have a large a fairly large, really large one from panasonic that's underway right now about 30 miles, oh, yeah. 25, 30 miles outside of uh, the Kansas City area. And that, so it, it's kind of scattered throughout, but primarily I'd say in that the existing car belts down south, the industrial Midwest uh, also, and uh, their, the chip plants seem to be you know, scattered around a little bit more, I guess you could say. But I, I, would, I would expect that it, I don't, as the numbers that I've seen, and I think the forecast that I've seen both from the uh, AIA and some of the other things, I mean, the, the numbers when the money first hit, and in 2023, or primarily when it first hit, uh, it was kind of astronomically large percent increases. Uh, a little bit, they're expecting it still to be up a bit. Excuse me, uh, for next uh, uh, for 2024, maybe not as much, but there's they're definitely very much underway. Okay, um, as far as institutional goes, you know, hospitals, schools, um, those are supposed to be pretty good. It looks yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah, reasonably good for sure. You know, I think there's a, it's interesting. Um, you always think with the the hospitals, and I, I think some of the numbers that I've looked at in the various forecasts, they're starting to point upwards a bit more uh, than they had been the last couple of years for hospital and the different medical uh, buildings. And I, I, I guess it's kind of surprised that they were really, not that they were down all that much, but that they weren't one of the hotter markets. And, and I mean, as I look at it, again, it kind of gets into the, uh, the, the U.S. population, you know, both the aging side of it. Uh, I think there's, you know, so we had mentioned before, more people... Uh, Baby boomers looking to go in nursing homes as they get older. You know, and mm-hmm. Baby boomers are a huge chunk of the U.S. population, so they can kind yeah. of drive the uh, you know the amount of healthcare that is needed mm-hmm. there. Um, on the school side, true, and and really, and again, this gets this is, all gets really really local. I mean, you get the markets where people are just moving in by the thousands, and they're going to be there's going to be for all of the above here. Some of the markets, perhaps, where they're you know people they don't have maybe as much of a demand. You know, maybe not so much. Same kind of thing on school systems. I, I believe the peak, I mean, I think as far as right now, and it is very trend oriented, obviously, but the amount of uh, children entering the school system, there's not as right now, um, and this is not saying it's going to continue on forever. Right now, the last couple of years, 
not as many kids are coming into the school system as there had been, say, oh, gosh, about 15, 20, about 20 years ago. I think it might have peaked about 25 years, if I'm not mistaken. So eventually, on a national basis, it causes some, you know, not as much need there. But again, locally, and it can be, I mean, I mean, gosh, you look at any of the schools in any of our neighborhoods across the country here, and there's there's always some kind of work going on there. And, and it tends to be uh-huh. pretty good work for contractors, too. It can be some of the high value, the voice data video type of work, on, unfortunately, security system work right now, too. Uh, just generally additions and modifications. It seems to be pretty consistent. You, you look over to the, that's just right. the K through 12, you look at colleges and the same type of deal. You know, there's always new work going on with doing, depending on how their enrollments are doing, whether it's dorm expansion, uh, you know, whether it's a different types of things, classroom, what what needs to be wired. So um, I think all in all, uh, pretty, pretty healthy. I think both those niches are supposed to go up some. You do hear some you know, when they, when a project goes in, some of these things can get pretty darn large. I know you, we, uh, I know we published something in ECM about some work that's going on on the campus at the University of uh, California in San Diego. It's uh-huh. a huge student student housing and everything going in there. But these projects can get really, uh, yeah, they can be good overall. I know I, I was just thinking as we're talking about large uh, mega projects, one that stuck out in my mind was down in Austin. Gosh, it was over a billion dollars worth of modernization of their existing K through 12 uh, school facility. Wow. So um, mm-hmm. there's some big, big projects. You know, obviously not many people are growing, not many metros are growing at the pace of right. Austin, Texas. But, you know, the, the work is out there and even on a smaller base. I mean, college, and you look at the college towns in general, I mean, it's going back a couple of years. But I always remember Grayboard, the electrical distributor, for a while they were setting up branches in many of the uh, t- towns throughout some of their, uh, well, they were national, but uh, in many areas, uh, they would have a branch in the co- wherever there was a state university or a large private university because there, there's just so much construction work typically that's going on there. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of electrical stuff going in and they had to service their needs to their contractor customers there. So also, okay, data center, we've already talked about that. Like that's going to be booming. I can't remember the last time data center wasn't the top market when we yeah. surveyed the top 50 electrical contractors on ECM and also mm-hmm. top 40 it's always data center it's oh yeah for and, years and years so um I don't I don't think that's going to change anytime soon with all the AI stuff going on do you yeah and certainly some and it, you know, I think it really affects a lot because some of the uh companies some of the larger national contractors that focus in this and they'll travel they'll be like a Rosenden I know for sure mm. I mean they'll send folks all over the country with some of these data centers and uh you see who's building some of the centers and it's a lot of the uh Tech firms when they, in the stock market, they talk about the magnificent seven, the stocks that had done best over the past uh, past year. You know, the, the Googles, the Microsofts, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Amazons, uh, all building facilities all over and in total construction value. Uh, they, they easily can hit a billion dollars, most of most of them in 500 million. It's pretty interesting when you look at the uh, the pockets of it. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but uh, Northern Virginia for many, many years has always been the biggest uh, hot spot for that, just west of Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. It can continue to sit, it's going to continue to be that there was just actually a, a story that I, I'm just going to write a little something up on for electrical wholesaling. Uh, this digital realty trust is a real it's a company that invests in many different data centers. It's called Real Estate Investment Trust. It's a very hot stock right now. But they just inked a deal uh, with another, um, gosh, I'm trying to it, Brookfield, I think of the name of the, another large real estate investment trust to build like, it's like $6 billion worth of data centers in uh, Northern Virginia, but also around the world, like Frankfurt, Germany, and uh, some other places in Europe. So uh, mm-hmm. big and with the, like we were saying with the AI, yeah, definitely 
uh, going to be even bigger. Uh, some other spots where you, you see them all over. I mean, certainly uh, I've seen a, some activity uh, over the recent past year in Chicago. There was a number that have gone in. Um, mm -hmm. There's some some up in Oregon, uh, Eastern right. Oregon. There's, got, there's an area up there that has had a number of uh, Facebook data centers going in. I, I, I think the, you know in the big picture um, you know, going forward here, I, I know there's going to be these things take a there's a they consume enormous amounts of electricity, mm -hmm. and there's just getting to be a bit more pushback locally because of the amount of electricity they consume, also the water to cool and all. So yeah. there's definitely some def movements there to build them as efficiently as possible. Use renewables uh, whenever they whenever they can on that. So I think that's a, but I yeah every it's all systems go on data centers again. I think it's going to be another another big year for sure. Okay, well also so you just mentioned renewables. So do you see that tying in with utility obviously and data centers things like that? So not necessarily standalone renewable things, but things that are going to be incorporated into the other types of projects. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know, it's funny. It's another, um, another one of these markets. You got there's so many different segments of it, and each of them may have some slightly different uh, factors on them. And you say, you look at solar, uh, and and that's as I've been reading on, say residential solar, where you know obviously they're very heavily affected. People will put them in if there's any state, any of the federal money's coming in. But also, just in general, if someone's financing them, they're saying, how oh, right, if they're going to have to pay. Nine or ten percent to finance it, they might say, "Oh, geez, that's a bit more. I'm going to wait till the rates go down." So they, that slowed up in, in many, many in markets just in, because of that. Uh, on the whole higher end of it, um, from what I understand, uh, some of the utility companies, if they're expanding their solar uh, portfolios, whether it's like a, a Duke Energy or a NextEra Energy, or two of the real big ones that are growing it, um, you know, they they have to finance these. So sometimes, if they're financing these big pro these utility scale projects, uh, they they are. While they're still growing, uh, they, they, that is it is a concern for them too on the rates. So what what is the money that they have to borrow on it? So um, there's still a lot the, to figure out. Yeah, there's, it, it's definitely an effect there. I think it is growing. Uh, the, the American uh, Power Association solar had a, had a decent year this year. Uh, wind was down a bit, and actually, wind was the, the wind installations were down from what I understand. But they do expect uh, both to be growing, particularly once interest rates go down. The area, I guess, the segment of uh, wind that has gotten hit per, in most recently, particularly, is the offshore winds that were start, finally starting to get past through all the environmental hurdles and certification mm -hmm. processes and start to be built. Uh, there were two very large ones off the coast of New Jersey, uh, right. at Orstat, the largest, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the largest company in the world for uh, uh, offshore, it was, mm -hmm. and they pulled out of there, and, and primarily because of the borrowing costs. They were going to have to finance these things to get them, get them started before they can start selling the electricity to the uh, local utilities and they pulled out of that so it's kind of a little bit of a slower go there uh um, on the on the offshore as i mentioned i've written for in a number of ecnm articles the thing that is a nice deal with the uh offshore wind is that it's not i mean some of the actual wiring that going out to linking these things up to the grid and all there's some pretty uh -huh. specialized companies that do that and many companies from europe actually are uh right. doing that but the onshore stuff anything from there's some very specialized ships that have to be built to uh, transport these huge turbines and the nacelles uh -huh. and all uh, that, that they're under construction There's a big uh, uh, shipyard in Rhode Island is building down in Alabama. I know building. Okay. So that that's very good. And also uh, where they're, where they're active near the port, they have to have a staging area. You can just picture the cranes that have to lift the stuff up and onto the uh, ships 
uh, mm -hmm. storage facilities and a lot of times if they uh, they were erecting training facilities to get people trained on this right locally I know that it's definitely a very much a factor in New York uh, there's a Brooklyn Navy Yard a huge facility very historical one going back to the both world wars but anyway so you have a part of that it's being transformed into kind of a staging area for uh, the offshore work that is actually still that is still going on off the uh, coast of Long Island. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So there's some. I, th I find that to be a pretty pretty exciting. I think it's it's not something you think a lot about unless you have any direct involvements with ports. But it's a it's a very active kind of sub sub segment of the industry. I think. Okay. And then the aging, obviously, money for the the grid, updating the grid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah. Right. I just saw something funny. I was researching something and I looked back because I couldn't remember the year that. You know, ECNM started in 1901, and it's changed names six times until it became ECNM. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. And mm -hmm. when I look back on that, just to make sure what year that was, I noticed they said they changed the name to ECNM Electrical Construction and Maintenance because they wanted to shift the um, focus onto the maintenance angle that it was playing in an aging electrical infrastructure. <laughs> oh, thought, no, I'm kidding. How, how funny. Now, yeah. oh, um, that's 75 funny, yeah. years later, how ironic is it that aging electrical grid is still like <laughs> the main topic? Um, isn't, isn't that something? No, yeah, it, it, yeah that's, you know, it's funny and it kind of gets back, it's some related, it gets back, I remember visiting with the folks at Graybar once, I was talking with their, had some of their head guys and they were, get to, and they had a, they have quite a display in the history of it, but they basically, they started at, like where they set their branches up first were actually where the local, wherever they were literally stringing the first wires to a town. If there was a okay. town yeah. being wired for electricity, Graybar mm -hmm. was going to have a branch there. So, uh, yeah, but, but no, that whole revitalization of the grid, I mean, it, it, it's, it's obviously it can be a very specialized business, but some of I mean, on the publicly held side on that, I call my Quanta services that is, right. that does this work. I mean, it is just they're back. They have their biggest backlog ever, and they are. They, I mean, they do a number of different. They do some data work and all, but yeah, just basic grid work. Certainly, very much renewables. Very, they have done well. If anyone follows that stock too, it's been a very nice investment as well. Right, but, and I did. I read, and I can't remember, but there was a report. We just reported it not that long ago about how utilities, as far as like incorporating renewables and doing things and being able to support the. Um, one of the main things is the EV charging infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Like they're oh, not, yeah. they're not mm -hmm. sure how they're going to do that yet. Like it's not mm -hmm. all decided, like the, the capacity they're going to need in order to do that kind of thing. Yeah. How is the, how are the utilities going to support that as this build out mm -hmm. increases? It is why it really is wild. I don't think we've really come to grips with that. I mean, it, it's yeah. going to be big and good business for everybody. But uh -huh. when, when you think about that, I mean, I remember when we were first talking about EVs and all, I went to some, I think it was uh, Schneider had a kind of a new technology symposium and I sat in on a seminar and they were saying, you know, if we ever started, they were saying, if if we, if we we're now with five people in a neighborhood all had our, their jar, their garages wired up for EV chargers, it would blow uh -huh. the transformers off the pole. They couldn't, they couldn't accept it. Now it's obviously... Yeah. Uh, better than that but you have the uh yeah the local the local need if you're going to have it wired in and there are some regulations that one of our people on our staff has talked about and he lives in mass and that, that local municipality says hey no ev chargers in the garage we know that can cause problems we want the charging equipment outside which i mm -hmm. think that's kind of counter counterintuitive but yeah i mean but the local ev chargers i, I think are going to be big i mean but the you know that being said too the the big and this is another case where some of the uh, big macro trends kind of filter right down and right onto the ECNM audience here is a 
you know, the last couple of months in particular, it's been a bit of a little bit of a slowdown on demand for EVs. And if you've had your people that wanted them, uh, the pioneers, you might say that they had wanted to get an EV, you know, didn't want to have a gas vehicle, whatever. There's it slowed down to some degree to the point where a company like Ford had a couple of EV, EV plants in Michigan that they've kind of uh, stopped right now, and they're doubling down on things with hybrids. So you oh, know okay. we're in a little bit of a pause yeah. right now in the macro uh, demand for these. Obviously, a company yeah. like Tesla is still doing wildly, what very very well. Right. Um, but a Ford, GM, are both kind of their, their sales not quite what to be expected right now. Uh, there's been in the but there's a lot of again another macro trend the money flowing into the uh, construction of these things for on the, for the public charging the national nation's highways on it's all going to get there it's probably not going to be get there as fast as some of the proponents right. thought it would be but it, and it's not going to never get there like people who are very much against it think either. it's going to the transition may just be taking a little bit longer but. Uh, but there is um, no there the companies that are involved in renewables. It's interesting. One of my uh, sons is works for Nextera Energy. He's a project manager. He, he was working on. He was they had him on wind farms for a while. They had him in. I uh, uh, doing solar right now out in one of his mm-hmm. big fields out in Albuquerque. But the thing is, it's just he said the amount of hiring that they're doing in this is just it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of there is still despite some of the numbers saying oh wind's a little bit down or solar's not quite what it was last year. Yeah. It's it's all all system going hiring. I mean, it's a okay. big. Uh, it's going to be a big deal, I think, for and continue to provide a lot, a lot of opportunities for the ECM audience. Well, that that's all really interesting, and everyone should, um, you know, that those are some great highlights, Jim. Thanks for you know summing those up. But definitely read the full article. I want it. It's coming out soon on our website and in the December print issue to see all of the actual details and numbers about all the forecasts of each market. Um, let's go back to the local metropolitan statistical areas you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Could you give yeah. them some highlights about those stats? Um, I know mm-hmm. there's a big section in the uh, forecast on that, um, mm-hmm. what that's looking like so far and any specific areas to keep your eyes on, how the pockets maybe affect the overall trends. I know you mentioned Texas, um, Austin, any mm-hmm. other areas you want to? Yeah, yeah, for highlight? sure. I mean, over the last couple of years, uh, when we, uh, for my other publication, I write on electrical wholesaling. I, I, it's always hard to pick out one's uh, MSA, or it's a, that's the acronym for Metropolitan Statistical yep. Area. And but mm-hmm. it's hard to pick out one. But the but the last three have all been in Texas. It's been Austin. It's been it, last year Houston. This year Dallas. I mean, I know so Dallas about, is still it's still going. Oh, very much so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the way I kind of look at it for the electrical market, I mean, I look at the electrical. Con- I, I and I compare this all. To both, what is the national average in this? What is what is the state average? And I look at uh, I look at electrical contractor employment. I look at industrial employment. I look at building permits. Uh, there's something called the gross metropolitan product. I look at I, and really a, a very simple statistic. Uh, I looked at population, lose people, uh, people moving in or out of a market, and mm-hmm. and I, then I say, okay, which which markets are at least doubling each of these things over the national average? So I kind of call them out. And they they and Dallas in this past year just over head and shoulders above. Now it's a little different market than Austin. You think of Austin, okay? You know, it's a big university town. A lot of right. new tech moving in there. You had uh, you know, Tesla had their big gigafactory moving there. A lot of uh, very tech employment. And then next year was Houston. It's like okay, well, you have Houston, big market population wise. Uh, a lot of industrial, a lot of petrochem, a lot of. Uh, Oil money. Uh, Dallas is a little bit of different profile. It's you know it's a little bit of commercial. It's a little bit of tech. A little bit of all of the above. So it's, it's kind of interesting like that. But the the one thing that I you know over the past gosh decade or 
maybe it's even two decades now. And <laughs> I've been tracking these local market numbers. If you look at, and again, we'll get a little macro here for a few seconds, but uh, uh -huh. if you look at the amount of electrical contract employment, for instance, there is an enormous amount of contractors working in a fairly small area. You could you could take the time. I don't have the actual percent right in front of me, but gosh, you could take the uh, top 25 markets by electrical contract employment, and they could very easily account for more than 50% or more of all the contractors employed in the country. Now, a lot of these markets, I mean, uh -huh. uh, there's probably, you know, there's, it's hard to, some of these ones are, have been growing so fast for so long, it's hard for a new one to come out and emerge with it. But the, like we right. mentioned, the Texas markets really all, and you could really, on a smaller basis, you could mention San Antonio in there too. In the uh -huh. Carolinas, you have markets like Raleigh and Charlotte for sure. Um, okay. If you look down, I mean, Florida, Florida's a little different mix. It's maybe not as industrial, but boy, does it have the residential construction and commercial and hospitality. The, uh -huh. the whole Southwest coast, for sure. The Tampa, a little older profile, maybe on the East coast of Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, but West coast of Florida, particularly in Tampa, all the way down to Naples and through Fort Myers is a huge hot area. Orlando is consistently a fast grower. You know, you look a bit, you move uh -huh. a little bit West across the country, Phoenix, by some measures, Phoenix is uh, is one of the faster growing, and it's starting, and that growth is starting to diversify too. There's a, a few chip plants out there. There's a couple of car plants that are going in out there. Uh, Mayo Clinic is in the hospital field is building. It has a huge facility. They're expanding there. It's always among the leaders in building permits. Uh, so that's okay. always the big one that we keep on. Salt Lake City is a, is growing very fast on, on a smaller basis. If you can you can look at numbers, there's a St. George, Utah. And by statistically and by uh, by percentage, it's growing very fast residentially. That's growing that that whole area. Bo Boise, Idaho, is one that you could kind of keep your eye on too. Is in one yeah. that I shouldn't even say up and coming. And it, some of these are been growing uh, growing quite a bit. Uh, but but it's, it's kind of interesting. And so you have the high growth markets, and like I say, most of them have been growing pretty fast for quite some time, for sure. And some companies, some markets are just. They're a big market just because they're a big market, like in LA, for instance. They they may population to some degree, maybe it may be leaving LA, but it's just a huge number of, of contractors there of business. New York's the same deal. I mean, it has there's you hear all kinds of numbers about are people living, moving into or leaving the New York metropolitan area. But the fact is it's still so huge, it's still uh, uh yes. quite big. So it's just definitely, you know, but it's so that it, it, I find it interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. And we, uh, Ellen and I both live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, which for, you know, it's always been even, I've been out here about 30 years and, you know, it was always kind of a market, never got as, didn't ever grew as fast as, definitely not as fast as like an Austin or Charlotte or, right. uh, you know, or Raleigh or something like that. But it never really slowed all the way down to the point where you're losing population like, a, uh -huh. you know, maybe, and unfortunately like a Detroit or Cleveland or whatever. But yeah. I have to say in the past five years, the amount, all these projects that we were talking about here, these hot projects, we have a little bit of all of them going on right now, just about 10 miles, not, gosh, not even 10 miles, a couple of miles uh, from where I sit here. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a there's like a $2 billion live work play development going in off of one of the interstates up by the airport. There's a, over a billion dollars worth of data centers going in. Uh, we mentioned the Panasonic uh, plant yes. going in there. Downtown has just been, I think, pretty re revitalized. There's light rail going in there. There's talk of a new stadium going in. So you know, right. I, I bring that up only because, you know, we're, it's it's a market that necessarily isn't going to make a lot of the hot, fast growing markets. And yet I think the most contractors that tell you intend is that it's like a very healthy construction market right now. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, Kansas City's not not too bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and we even have Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's all. Oh, yeah, we have that. Oh gosh, she's, yeah. she's visiting right now. So everybody mm -hmm. in Kansas, well, not everyone. You either have the haters or the people who think it's fun. Um, you know, are following her whereabouts, and right now she's in Kansas City. So I know. I can't believe that she actually her her boyfriend Kelsey to moved into her, well, moved into her town at a gated community a little. I can't can't quite get in there, but we bought, nope. bought a big place there, and they they're having a grand time. What you know, everyone we hope it's, they are. It, that's but, very close to you, Jim, where he lives. Oh, I know it. Yeah, it's right down the hill. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's good. But I don't Well, We're all sports nuts around here. And good for him and good for her. I hope they I do. I know, me together. too. I, I think it's kind of fun and exciting. It, it just makes things fun. That's, I know. It's all, it's well, thanks for that me. summary. Definitely everyone should read the actual um, article, though, for all the details. But that was a great highlight on all the different markets. So I think we're getting close to time. So I kind of wanted to just let you, if you had any other like final thoughts or big things that you think the audience needs to watch, uh, this coming year, um, sure. things to look for for 2024 yeah. that you think might be important. Yeah, you know, and I, I kind of got back to what I what I kind of started off with, and I really started thinking about the market and maybe how it's changed for folks and how it what opportunities it now offers. And I kind of get right back down to the the new technology, new tech versus old tech. You know, there's always going to be the basic. Uh, con you know, construction or whether it's, whether it's the home, the office, the, the basic pipe and wire, so to speak. But and it got me thinking when I, when I was at NECA this year, I, I covered one of the uh, sessions for ECNM on digital power. And you know, this, yeah. it's been around the whole idea of power over the um, it, it, over the wiring system for it's a low voltage wiring that was just powering lighting. But then I got you know I learned that how many different things that are going in on digital power they, they could power like there's a hotel that went up in Vegas they're powering a lot of the power that was going into some of the the computer outlets the tele telephone lots of things in the in that in, in a hotel and I think that's that's just like a whole new technology you know we talk so I think that's there's so many things that contractors if they want to build up to get an edge you know some things they, they could be looking at and some of this will be kind of regional like we talked about. Obviously, wind and solar, it's been it's been around, but, you know, when you think of it, but it wasn't around 10, you know, maybe 15 or 20 years, it wasn't as big of a deal. You think of EV charging, whether it's in residential, whether it's on that the highway interstate, whether it's the municipal state or commercial, I mean, all huge, you think, and I was thinking too, you know, building automation systems, all this going on there, how does, how does the lighting electrical uh, tie in with the uh, HVAC yeah. and the, the Johnson controls and, and, and carrier uh, things like that. Obviously, with lighting, you know, all that's going on with LED lighting controls, a huge thing that I mean, lighting has always been one of those product areas that's maybe had a little bit more uh, product innovation than uh, other times. And then, and then the basic thing that I, I hear it's a good just going into a building and doing an electrical audit, going in and saying, hey, let's see, what are you thinking of doing? You know, talking with the building matters. Have you got anything mm -hmm. new projects going in? Is your power system up to snuff? Is there anything we can help you out in just some of the basic, you know, core maintenance business? So there's, there's just a lot of activities out there. Right? And I think there's a lot of new, new, new tech out there that I think is the, the, on top of everything else. And whether you're in a hot market like an Austin or, or maybe one that maybe not growing as fast as some of the ones we've mentioned here, there's still stuff going on with this new tech things that really affect affect us all and affect everyone in all markets, I think. Absolutely. I was just doing a podcast earlier on AI with some experts from electrical design firms. And that was you know very fascinating as far as like, we're just on the tip of the iceberg of what that's going to do. And um, the main thing is that we don't have enough workers, skilled workers to, you know, work in these electrical contracting firms and electrical design firms. So that AI technology is not necessarily, is not going to take people's jobs away. It's just going to enhance. So like someone who may have used to spend six hours on doing whatever it is, 
may spend an hour on it now mm -hmm. so that they're mm -hmm. going to be yeah. able to take on more work because that's what they all say is a problem. They can't take on as much work as they have. Oh, yeah. No, I did. And that whole idea that where they don't have the workers, it's certainly how that's driven pre-assembly work. I mean, that is that is yeah. a market. That's something at a market. It doesn't matter if it's as, as fast or as big of a market, but I mean, any, any market can, can uh, or any contractor can really... Uh, they can benefit by having, you know, saving time and money, you know, by doing the pre-assembly work. And that's certainly mm -hmm. one of the, you know, mega trend that's affecting uh, all, all our listeners, I think. Definitely. Well, it looks like we're about out of time for today. Great discussion. Thank you so much, Jim, for uh, sharing your insight, industry knowledge, and experience with us today on the state of the electrical construction market. And in closing, I'd also like to thank managing editor Ellie Coggins and editor Michael Morris for editing and putting these podcasts together. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com and look for that 2024 construction forecast coming soon, also in the December print issue. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parson, signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out our website for more content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.